0: Who doesn't like to travel? I know I absolutely love traveling, even though I haven't done a lot of it in recent years, but I grew up traveling all around the world. I lived in England and France and India and went back and forth from Oklahoma to those places. And then later, as an adult in the business world, I had the opportunity to do more traveling. So I've been to all different places in Europe. And honestly, this topic of how to be safe while traveling. Is not something that I ever thought about in my younger days. Now in my career as a self-defense coach, of course, I think about it quite a bit. And so today's guest is a woman who has not just an extraordinary story of her own, which I think you will find extremely interesting and very inspiring, but she also has built a business in the travel industry, and she's doing some amazing things in that space as well. So I wanted to bring her on both to tell her story and also to pick her brain about issues for women and travel. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head on and shines the light on what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Gillacur-Rude.
0: Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolicoeur-Rude. And today I am so excited to bring on the show an incredible woman who I think has an amazing story that will inspire you and hopefully get you out to do a little bit of globetrotting. Tracy Bliss Buckley is the CEO and owner of Live Your Bliss Travel and Events, And she's an extraordinary event producer who loves to help other people create magical moments and memories that last a lifetime. She arranges vacations and events all around the world in all kinds of places, including castles, private yachts, villas, retreat centers, and cruises. She's also the survivor of domestic violence. And she is an amazing, badass, powerful woman who has literally risen from the ashes like a phoenix to create an absolutely amazing life. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me here today. Uh, I'm so glad that you were able to get on the show. And I got a ton of questions to ask you. So I hope you are ready. Oh, I'm ready, Cynthia. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, let's start with some simple questions to kind of get in the flow. And then we will dive into the nitty gritty stuff. Perfect. Perfect. What is the most beautiful place you've ever visited?
1: Oh, Cynthia, that's a tough question. There's so many beautiful and amazing places in the world. But for me, my heart is always the ocean. And so I love anything that's around water. And so the most amazing place I've ever visited that really, I think, is my favorite city is Venice, Italy.
0: Oh, that is a place I've never been, but I would love to go.
1: Yes. It's like stepping back into time and there's just so much history and it's just such a unique place with regards to all the St. Mark's square and that. But honestly, my favorite part was the gondola ride. And I just tell everybody, whatever you do, you've got to go on the gondola ride. It's so beautiful through the canals and it really is just magical.
0: That sounds great. So it is on my bucket list. So when when I'm ready to go, I'm going to let you know. Let me know, let me know. What is a place you would never go back to?
1: Hmm. That's really hard. Uh Barstow, California. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I had a family event out there once. Uh I would say the desert is not my favorite place. If you're looking for like a country, I just think there's beautiful There's beautiful things everywhere that I've been, and that's what I try to focus on. There's definitely places that I love more than others, but I couldn't say there's a place I would never go back to again, but my bucket list and my wanderlust is big, and I have so many places yet to see that I'm not looking to go back to any places really except maybe Hawaii, which I love the most.
0: Oh, that's great, and that's actually a great life metaphor right there too, so that's, that's pretty cool.
1: I mean, there's a lot to see in this world. I mean, we have one life, right? And I just, I have a women's group that I lead and I'm just about, let's go. You know, there's there's nothing holding you back. There's so many opportunities and there is beauty everywhere you go. Different experiences and depending on what type of traveler you are, then you just kind of look at what really lights you up. What What is your soul calling you? Because I think if you ask any woman, like, where is the one place that you really have always wanted to go? They immediately know that place.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get into the nitty gritty part. So I'm going to toss you a couple more questions here and then we're going to dive into some of that stuff. Okay. What is the most transformational event you've ever been part of?
1: I actually had an incredible experience at Tony Robbins. I walked on fire and when you're doing the event they they tell you you don't have to walk and so i wasn't going to walk <laughs> i was just like uh no that's okay i'm going to pass on that but then in the moment i just gathered the courage and i went for it and it was really powerful and i would tell anyone it sounds like so cliché but at the end of the day when you take that challenge and you walk on fire you realize you can do anything
0: yeah that I'm sure is an experience that is a breakthrough on not just the physical level but as you said on the on the emotional and spiritual level too what was one of the things that you noticed that changed about your life or about yourself after you did that
1: i think that for me i let go of a lot of fear that day and really from that moment i've opened up to trusting and allowing in a different way. And I'm not saying it's it's perfection at this point, but I think I was allowing some fear uh, around my physicality as well as just, you know, some self-doubt about the things that I could do and create. And it really unleashed a fire in me, really from the fire and walking on fire. I just felt like, okay, I can do anything. And I've just tried to kind of live that motto every day, like, you
0: know, I can do it. Oh, that's great. What is your most important self-care practice?
1: Well, I do meditation every day and I feel like that helps me to stay really grounded. But I also love, love, love to take a really hot bath with Epsom salts and vinegar to just detox and soak away any negative energy or anything that I'm feeling that's not really landing for me, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, it does. I'm I'm a huge fan of Epsom salt baths, but I've never heard of putting vinegar in. What does that do?
1: It actually is supposed to really help with regards to even releasing negative energy that may be stuck based on different interactions through the day or people or anything like that. It just helps to kind of wash that all away. So the combination of the Epsom salts, which is so good for your body, and then the vinegar, and I know it sounds silly. The first time I got out, I was like, do I smell like a salad? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Or salt and vinegar (laughs) potato chips,
1: but um, but it just—I don't know—it just kind of really helps like release everything. So then, when you take the plug out of the bathtub, like everything just kind of drains away and leaves you.
0: Wow, that's a uh, great—not an antidote, but like the the opposite or a replacement of the Calgon bath. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I just buy a big old jug of vinegar from Walmart. <laughs> you can get it in bulk, and I use the combination. And you know, I'll light some candles and listen to some music and just kind of detox the day away. And it's a really for me because I love the water so much. It just kind of like helps me to really sleep really well and and leave it all right, like leave the day behind.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to try adding vinegar to my next Epsom salt bath then. Cause I'm really curious now.
1: Three cups of vinegar. And then you're supposed to come all the way up to like your shoulders. Three cups. Holy cow. Three okay. cups. I know I'm telling you salad time. No, actually <laughs> <laughs> try it. You don't have to do it every time, but it's really nice. Especially if you've been like having a lot of stress or things, it just kind of helps to really take it to the next level as far as Epsom salts.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to give it a whirl. Okay, what advice would you give to young women today that you wish you'd had when you were in your 20s? That's a great question,
1: Cynthia. I think that women today, no matter what age they are, need to know that you can do anything. You can absolutely create it. You can be it. You can do it. I think that sometimes especially in younger girls, there's a sense of, what's the word I want to say? I Maybe a little self-doubt and they don't necessarily have a strong female figure in their life. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But I would just say that all of us as women really need to support other women and let them know, you know that you believe in them and that you have faith in them and that you see them and the value that they bring. Because I don't think that everyone really gets all that. I'm, I'm blessed. I have an amazing group of female friends. Like my tribe is amazing, but I just think that sometimes out there, especially in kind of that millennial and era that there's a little less connection. And so really we just need to kind of support and let, let women know, you know, together we rise. You can do anything that you want to do. Like, just don't be afraid. Jump.
0: Mm, that's great advice. Well, I would like to dive into your story now. So let's start with your experience with domestic violence and abuse. Can you talk about that and about your journey from that point in your life to where you are now?
1: Sure. I have to be honest. uh, For a long time, I lived in a lot of shame and I was not able to have a conversation and share this story without just sobbing. So I'm not trying to come across as if it's no big deal because I know my journey has been long and I'm at a point now where I can share and talk about it. And honestly, in the very beginning, I didn't share anything about it because I was so ashamed and felt like it was all my fault. And then when I finally opened up and started seeking some counseling and other things, I realized that, you know, domestic violence is a cycle and there's a lot of people out there and I wasn't the only one. So I'm going to share this story from a point of vulnerability (laughs) and, um, just so that, you know, you're not alone if you're experiencing anything like this. So I grew up in a very sheltered, uh, loving family, but somewhat sheltered. And in high school, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I was date raped at 17 and I was a virgin and I just felt like I, it was my fault. And so I kind of lost myself and spiraled into some really bad places. And I ended up meeting my uh, ex-husband in a place where I think, you know, you kind of attract where you're at. And I was in a very low vibration, a very like sad, depressed state. And so, you know, I accepted our relationship and it ended up being a very volatile, violent, um, physically and emotionally abusive relationship. And so I got married at 19. I had two kids by 21. And I just knew I needed to find a way out because it just was starting to get worse and worse, which is kind of that cycle, you know, things accelerate. And so finally at 27, I just grew the strength and, and I left. And the things that he had said to me was, you know, that I would never make it and I'd be in a cardboard box on the street and he would keep my children. And there's a whole other drama manipulation around all that I'm not gonna go into, but basically his attitude towards me drove me to leave my marriage to take care of my children and to just work because I had to provide for them. And so I ended up, I was working in the beauty industry and in this salon. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to be flexible because my poor kids, you know, I just needed to be there for them. They were going through a lot and it allowed me flexibility, but I ended up specializing in hair color, like in the eighties before people actually colored their hair and there was YouTube with all this stuff. And so I became an expert in that field and I was recruited to do education and training for a very large hair color manufacturer. And I climbed the corporate ladder and was promoted and promoted and all those things. And 20 years later, I I woke up and literally, you know, it was like the fourth time that week. I'm like, whoa, where am I at? Because I was in a different hotel. I was literally, it was, (laughs) I'll never forget. It was 21 days, 15 cities and 17 events. And for the fourth time I had woke up in a different hotel and did not know where I was. And it was startling. And I was like, I just, I have to get out of here. It's like sucking the life out of me. And I don't care, you know, if I'm making the money and on paper, this looks good. This is not my life. This is not my soul. And I just need to be free. So I was offered a buyout and I stepped away from that and I turned and I began my own dream and my own vision of my business, which is live your bliss, travel and events and over that time, you know, I've been, in the last 20 years, I've been through different modalities of, of counseling and therapy and workshops and just finding myself. And right now I'm 55 years old and I've never felt better. And I'm not perfect, but
0: I'm happy. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that journey because I know I mean, you can tell it now, and keep your composure, but I know that it took quite a toll on you and that all those years that you were working on your work career and being a provider and everything also took a toll. So I'm curious about what the process was like when you decided to leave that corporate environment and all of that travel and to actually do what you'd been dreaming about with with the travel business. What was that like and and where did you come up with the courage to do that?
1: Well, I think I think everything happens for a reason and there was a lot of moving pieces. The company that I worked for was purchased by Procter and Gamble and so it had taken my workload and my business load to such an incredibly high, stressful level. And I covered eight states. I mean, I literally traveled 80% and I managed a large group of people and my paperwork had paperwork. (laughs) And it was just like, ah. So one day they were doing some relocation and different things and they wanted me to move. They wanted me to relocate. And I just thought if I'm ever gonna get out, now is the time. So I took a buyout instead of relocating. And then I just took some time and really sat with myself Because I was 50. And I was just like, okay, what am I going to do for this next chapter of my life? Because I knew I needed to do something that would provide for me. But I also wanted to do something that would bring me joy and that could help make a difference and that I could support other people. And I was a speaker and trainer for many years. I've spoken in front of groups up to 5,000 and in large venues at Staples Center and Long Beach Convention and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't have a problem speaking, but I didn't necessarily want to be on stage anymore. And so I was looking to support, you know, female leaders that were making a difference. And I thought, you know, I can take my event experience and follow my passion of travel and support women leaders to create, you know, unique events and destination retreats and kind of build a life around that. And so it took me a while to kind of come to that decision. And so I cashed out my 401k and I bet on myself.
0: That is so awesome. And it's interesting that you said that you were 50 when all of this happened, because when I was in my 40s, I had this event where I was in a bookstore and this book literally fell off the shelf into my hands. And it was one that really changed my life. And and what you were talking about is exactly what this book was about. And it's a resource that I recommend to every woman that is reaching middle age because it's by a woman named Suzanne Braun-Levine. And it's called something along the lines of Reinventing Our Lives, Women in Second Adulthood. And she did a ton of interviews of women in their 60s, 70s, 80s, asking about their paths. And they all had something similar, which was reaching a stage of life where everything that had come before no longer was right or relevant and was coming to an end. And they looked at what was in front of them and said, well, I want to spend the rest of my life doing the thing that is most meaningful to me. Like I want my life to have... Value and impact, and and meaning that comes from me, not from circumstances or from you know family expectations or anything like that, but like the thing that is what my soul wants to do, and that's exactly what you did. Like you got to the end of that professional career and had that transition to well, what am I going to do if I'm going to do something? I want it to be the thing that means something to me. And so I I just, it was a beautiful illustration of what she talked about. And one of the things that really called to me when I was reading it was she had this concept of the fertile void, which was the period of time between those two things, between the end of the old and the beginning of the new, where something emerged. It was either a dream from the past that had been sort of let go of and dropped and then was reemerging. Or something from our younger days that was like, oh, you know, I wish I could, but never did. Or something brand new coming up that was absolutely unexpected, came out of nowhere, never would have dreamed it would be something that would become part of life. But it emerged in that period of time that she called the fertile void. So one of those three things for all the women that she interviewed happened. And that was how they found their second adulthood, basically their second life where that was all driven by, you know, what, what can I do to build the life that I really desire? So you just told an incredible story that was such a beautiful illustration of that process. I'm wondering, was the travel and the business of supporting women like that something that you had thought about or envisioned or dreamed about in your younger days? Or was it something brand new that came up
1: That's so funny, Cynthia. I never thought about that. But when I was a kid, when I was younger and in high school, I always wanted to be a travel agent. I didn't even think about that. That's so funny to think, oh, wow, that was in my brain. I had traveled some when I was younger. When I took my job corporately, I traveled extensively. I mean, I went to some really great places, stayed in some beautiful places. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of fun in the travel there, but it was a lot of stress. And so, yeah, I think that there was always kind of like this wanderlust in my life, but then, you know, I got married and I had my kids and I had to raise my kids and then my job. And so maybe that is what kind of called me back to it was that passion from my youth that was actually really kind of blocked and I wasn't even thinking about it.
0: No, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look at that book. Oh, it is an amazing book and she has uh, she has some other ones that follow along from that and one of her concepts that I really appreciate now that I am, you I know mean, I've been in my 50s for a while now, but she talks about the concept of the fuck you 50s, which is just basically where you stop giving a crap about everybody else's thoughts about what you should be doing and how you should be looking and what should be important to you. And you just own your own stuff. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm going to read that
1: book for sure. The funky 50s, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes, um that's amazing. Yeah, I think and even more so like when I first left my corporate position, I thought, "Oh, you know, I know how to do events, so I'll do travel and events and and I have been doing that and working with leaders and what I love is I get to choose who I work with, so I'm really only working with with women I resonate with, and that's been a transition too. I think in the beginning I was kind of taking some some roles that really still were not my ideal client, if you will, or my people. And now as it's been, you know, a couple of years, I've been able to really get more discerning with who I work with and making sure that I'm aligned with their vision and that we have that same powerful connection, if you will.
0: Yeah. And that's funny because that leads like right into my next question which is what is the most common desire that women have when they come to work with you?
1: Well, all of my leaders that I work with, they're wanting to make a difference and they're wanting to support women, you know, really to shine, shine in their own full, authentic glory. And, There's so many powerful and amazing, beautiful, special, incredible women with different diverse backgrounds and projects and things that they do that I love to help my leaders to kind of support that. Like, I just feel like I get to help all these little shining stars, like kind of burst onto the scene, or I get to watch them from like baby to, you know, junior to, you know, it's like, what do they call it? The, the, the mother crone goddess cycle if you will to where they're growing within themselves and so many of them i see kind of have that that crack open of their heart and really following their passion because they're in this event or this retreat where everyone in community is just like they've got their back right like everyone's there to support everyone it's community ver- and collaboration versus competition
0: yes oh that's really juicy so where does the travel element fit into that work
1: well so what i found in experience as well as in statistics the truth is that you know a lot of times when you're in your own backyard or you go to an event and you go home that you disconnect you're not fully engaged because you're kind of you're there and then you're out you're there and then you're out when you take people out of their traditional space, if you will, like when you take people on a journey, a literal journey, whether it's, you know, to San Diego or to Tahiti or to Italy or whatever it is, when you take people out and this journey that creates a connection because those new experiences are at a different level than anything they've had before. So then this group is linked and connected in such a deep way that it creates its own little community bubble, if you will, because the photos, the videos, the activities, all of those things help people to break down barriers that aren't always possible in traditional
0: venues. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. And I have experienced that exact thing whenever I've gone to a retreat or gone on a trip too. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I I think one of the other things that happens is I know when I've gone to events that were local to me and I would go during the day and then go back home, I kept getting sucked back into everyday life. And so I didn't have the downtime and I didn't have the shared like meal times and things with people that really allowed me to process what I was taking in and what I was experiencing during the day. So it was like, like you said, like you were in and out and in and out. And um, that's very disruptive and I'm sure you don't get the most out of an experience when you're doing it that way. So it makes a lot of sense to me that if you really want to maximize the growth and the community and the connection, that doing it with some element of being on a journey with the group is really an essential piece.
1: Yeah, I I can't tell you how many times I've seen people have their aha breakthrough moments on these retreats because they are in that group synergy from morning to night. Now we always allow people space because different people have different levels of space necessary. All right. So you have to allow for people that, that need time to integrate alone and people that always want to be in the group and then a combination of both. And what I love to do is to actually work with my group leaders because I did education and training and facilitation for so long, I'm kind of a creative. And so I love to co-collaborate with them to create activities that link to the content and break through their time to create for the attendees.
0: Mm. Oh, that's really cool. So how have you seen travel affecting women's confidence and their sense of freedom? Oh, you know,
1: so just this last year, um, because in the events that I was doing, I had a lot of women that would come up and say, I really want to travel, but." you know i i don't have anyone to go with i'm not sure if it's safe you know I, I i don't even know where to go i don't know if i can i just felt the call to start a women's travel group you know to create some more fun for myself and ladies that love to travel there's so many women whose husbands don't want to travel and that's okay they've got great husbands they've got relationships but they have this wanderlust okay i'm going to use that word again but it's just like i want to go but They don't want to go alone. And so I created this space and I even just, um, we're doing an event and this week I've been confirming some things that I've had several women just break down on the phone to me in a way that I had not expected because they're so grateful. Like they've been longing to go on this adventure and now they can because they feel safe. Because they're with the group. And I also help other women to put together like solo stuff, which is a totally different and like eat pray love kind of gig. But um, you know, I think that for women, it's just one more step in being fearless, and that fearlessness translates to everything that they do in their life. I am
0: so on board with that. <laughs> I love it. And I'm curious, like if you could dive a little bit deeper into. Like when you take a group somewhere, how do you manage safety concerns then? And then what do you tell women who do want to do those solo trips? How do they protect themselves?
1: Well, so when I am coordinating groups, I work directly with some of the top destination management companies. So I own a full service travel agency and I belong to a conglomerate that's one of the largest travel conglomerates in the world. So, what that benefits me and why I did that is because I want access to everything that's safe. So that no matter where you go, I'm not worried about you. Now, anytime you travel, I don't care if you travel in America you always have to be aware of where you're at. I mean, like, don't go out late at night into dark corners, right? I know you talk about safety and being aware a lot, Cynthia, and I just think like you do, you have to be aware. However, I make sure that, that we have escorts if needed, that we have tour guides that are local that speak the language, that we are coordinated and everything is vetted beyond so that that's not like the... The concern really is to make sure that people feel safe, because if they don't feel safe, they're not going to enjoy themselves.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And I hadn't really even thought about the fact that the major conglomerates that do this all the time would actually have already found local resources and done a lot of that sort of behind the Whoa. scenes work.
1: Oh yeah. No, they, they vet them so hard. We, we work only with the best of the best. And so in every single country in the world, I have vetted contacts to work with, to create things.
0: And then how about for women who want to travel by themselves?
1: So for women that want to travel by themselves it really depends on where they're going. You know some countries I don't recommend just because like I'm just going to say out loud I think Morocco is can be extremely dangerous for women. They actually make you have two guides when you go there, one for the language and one for security. So that's not a place that I book very often. I have booked a group there in the past and we ended up with actually three escorts because of the size of the group because it's just, it's not the safest of places. Now that's not to say that you couldn't go there. You know, there are people that kind of go into like, you know, some other areas and maybe go across the, the, the sea to Morocco here and there. I'm not saying you can't go there, but if you were gonna go, I would say go in a group, don't go alone. But then I have a lot of people that solo travel through Europe, Thailand, you know, a lot of the the islands are super safe. They're very small and locally focused and very backwoodsy, if you will. So they're just super happy to see you. So it just depends on what kind of experience you want to have. You can go on your own, but that's that's a one-on-one kind of consultation that I would do with each individual. And that just comes down to what is the experience that you want to create? And again, back to what is your soul calling you to do? I mean, do you need to climb Machu Picchu or do you want to go for a gondola ride in Venice? Do you want to lay on the beach in Bora Bora or do you want to go swim with the sharks in South Africa?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. So then what would be if I wanted to travel by myself, but I wasn't sure, like you helped me find some places to go that were relatively safe. Oh, absolutely. Yes. What else would you tell me that I needed to do to prepare or to pay attention to while I was traveling?
1: Well, you know, the the thing that they have now that's super helpful is, you know, they have some like purses and backpacks that are made with materials that are slash proof. And so I always recommend those. I have a couple of key things that I recommend. So what that means is, you know, with pickpockets and stuff, sometimes they come up and they'll slash your purse or they'll cut the straps on your bag to steal from you. And so these bags are resistant to that. They also have things where, you know, with credit cards and stuff in some countries, you know, they have people that just can walk up to you and they can scan your card in your wallet, in your purse. So they have different materials and wallets and things that are made that you can put your credit cards in that are resistant to that. So when you're traveling in other countries or countries where there's some of that type of theft and things that are prevalent, then there are different things that I recommend to make sure that your valuables are kept safe. I always recommend that people take, you know, just some of my standard travel tips, make sure that you take a picture of your luggage because guess what? There's a million black bags. So take a picture of your luggage. So if it's lost, you have... really clear visual for those that are looking for it. Make sure that you have several copies of your passport. And what that means is you put all your stuff inside your suitcase, you carry a copy, and then you email yourself your documents so that if you're somewhere and something gets lost, you have multiple points of access.
0: So are you talking about like Xerox copies or yeah, photograph copies I usually, or yeah, I usually
1: I usually do a fax copy of my passport or you know Xerox copy and I'll, I'll I have a fax copy of it that's in a document that I email myself and then I have a physical copy that's paper. And then I have my real passport that I carry with me. Because if, if say, you're somewhere and somehow or another you have a crazy day and you lose your passport, if you have a copy of it with all the numbers and stuff and you take it to the consulate or the embassy, they can help you a lot faster than if you don't have that information.
0: Now, that makes a ton of sense. And I I like that you referred to those RFID defeating products because that's actually one of the things that prompted me to represent Damsel in Defense was that I was looking for something like that and they have a whole bunch of little wallets and uh, card cases oh, that are like that. So I had no idea that
1: damsel in defense had that. I'll have to yeah. get more information because I do recommend that to my clients all the time. It's a, it's a one-time investment. You don't have to use them every day, all day, but when you travel, like, why not, why not be safe? Why not have those precautions? Cause guess what? You'll never regret having a slash proof <laughs> purse. If someone tries to slash your purse,
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, are there any things that you tell people prior to travel about like how to find out about the culture and like what's going on in a place that they're going to visit?
1: Yes, actually, usually when people are headed to places out of the country or even anywhere, as you know, when even like when you and Dave were going to Alaska and we were talking about stuff, I sent you some different resources. I like to have a one-on-one with my client to see where they're at and what information they have. And then there's a lot of different information. You know, we're blessed in this technology age where we can gather so much one of the other things that I really like to recommend for people if you're going to um, a country where they don't speak English and you don't speak the language is to download your Google Translate and carry your own hotspot. So in a lot of countries, the hotspot and Wi-Fi is just like not a forget it. But if you have that, you can really get by easily because Google Translate, it will, you, you type it in in English and there's like, a million languages that you can choose and then it types it in the other language as well as you can hit the speaker and it will say it. So if you have, you know, of course, the number one thing you want to do is you want to learn a couple of phrases before you go to any country. It makes people feel like you're making an effort. It's a way to like, as an icebreaker, they love to laugh at your non-accent, right? But also too, having that Google translate is just in case of emergency, in case you have an in-depth question, sometimes sign language and pointing doesn't always get it across. So it's a very useful tool. But the thing that I learned quickly, I thought I was all good with that. And then when I got to Europe years ago, they don't have Wi-Fi anywhere. So
0: definitely bring a little hotspot. Well, those are great tips. Great. So what do you recommend people do about their money? How, how do you recommend people manage the whole financial aspect of travel?
1: Well, 90% of places really take Visa. No one takes American Express. So you want to bring a Visa card, but you also want to get some of the local money and know a little bit about it. So what I mean by that is, you know, take, take 30 minutes before your trip and really look at what the money value is. And then you can exchange at your bank before you go. Almost every single bank, will give you money. But if you use your visa card, most of the time your visa will give you the best rate in that moment. So like if you go to a bank in the U.S., they're going to give you what it is right then. Sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down. But if you're in another country and you just use your visa card, it will give you the prevailing rate for the, ex- the ch- exchange on the currency, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How much cash do people actually need then if they're going to be using a credit card?
1: how much cash do they need if they're going to be using a credit card depends on if they're going into small little towns so small little towns off the beaten path a lot of those places if you have cash it's better but any kind of like market or anything like that that's and i mean like let's just let's use italy for example italy has you know little stores little pop-up vendors you know all kinds of, of goods for sale everywhere on the street they have little um what do you call those? I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank, Cynthia. You know, the kiosk kind of, but it's Italy. Um, You know, they have places like that almost everywhere that you go, right? Because people have their goods that they're trying to sell. Those places traditionally have visa machines. However, if you're using a visa, sometimes they won't give you, you can't haggle the deal as much. Does that make sense? Like, oh no, I don't have that much. How about this? How about that? You know, I'll give you $20. No, they want 40. You're like, no, no, I only have 20. Well, you can't do that if you're going to give him a visa card. So you know you kind of have to choose what you're going to use your money for and I really recommend that that you look at what the what things will cost you so depending on the country like you know the euro is X amount to a dollar so how many euro do I really need right because the dollar is very low to the euro right now so things are going to be more expensive whereas if you go to Mexico with the peso the peso it's not as low as it used to be but it still is a lot less expensive and many of the places places, because it's a little bit more of a rural area in a lot of Mexico, you're better off having like pesos. Whereas in Europe, pretty much 90% of the places all have visa machines.
0: So then if you're going to be carrying some amount of cash or taking some amount of cash, what's the safest and best way to actually carry it? Because I suppose you would put some of it in your nice little slash proof purse, but what else could you do?
1: If you're going to be gone for a really long time and you're going to be carrying cash, I always recommend a money belt either around your waist or some of them they
0: do on legs. Hmm. Like a concealed carry holster. Yes, it
1: is. Because otherwise, you know, like I said, it's like depends on how much cash you have. Now, if you're staying in, in hotels, a lot of the hotels will have safes if you're staying in like a traditional hotel. If you're staying in more of those small mom and pop local and country places, you're not going to have that. So you may want to put your passport as well as some cash money in one of those money belts.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Because there wouldn't be a safe to store stuff in. Exactly. Oh, okay. Excellent. You you got so much great information. This is awesome. I'm so glad I get to pick your brain here.
1: Oh, it's so fun. You're so awesome, Cynthia. Seriously.
0: Oh, oh, thank you. This is this is really fun. I have another question for you though. I told you I love to ask questions. So Great. Here
1: <laughs> I'm here. What can I do? What do you need?
0: So how about navigating around the place that you are traveling to? What are what are your tips on how to travel around and make your way around and figure out where to go and, and how to get there once you're there? What are some of the safety issues involved in that, and how can you just go out and explore? Well,
1: depends on what cities. It depends on what cities you're in. Like, for example, you know, Paris such a great walking city and it also has like the perry pass which will get you off and on like the local um, transportation like light rail train situations as well as you can get one that that will get you off and on like hop off and on on the river little boats right so those are safe they're like group they're like local um you'll see a lot of americans on it a lot of europeans on it and so for that city you know i just like to talk to people about those two options and then we look at the maps and try to figure out the best course for them. Now some people don't want to plan out every single day. They just kind of want to know what their options are. So they may or may not buy the pass for the week, but that's always a great option. Now in other cities where you're like far away from each other, you know, in, in Italy, they have some amazing train rail systems. You just have to really be aware. And so I always like to Kind of check out the timing and the train situation before you get there because it's not in English, and in the moment it can be a little stressful. And I like to take away that stress. So those are some of the things that you would you would really kind of do more investigation in. And I would work with my clients to like create an opportunity. If there's a situation where I feel like it wouldn't be safe for them to take public transportation, then we re- we arrange drivers. We set them up with a driver. Some of the hotels have concierge service. You know, the people that work there, yes, they get a kickback from the people they recommend, but they recommend these people all the time. So they're not going to recommend people that are not safe.
0: Oh, that's that's great. That was kind of what I was trying to get my head around was, okay, so suppose I went somewhere and I wanted to go out and actually do something, which would be the whole point of having traveled there in the first place. You know, when I land somewhere new, I don't know my way around. I don't know what they're transportation options are. I don't know the good areas and the bad areas, you know, the things that I should avoid. So you yeah. know, what else could you say about that?
1: Well, so one of the things that I like to do too is, you know, you may not want to do a full tour. There's some great tours out there. Don't get me wrong. And for example, if you go to Italy, you you want to buy a tour ticket for the Vatican. Otherwise you're in line for eight hours. The tour groups cut in line in front of everybody else. Okay. The same goes for the the museums, you know, uh, if you want to see the Mona Lisa, if you want to go to the Louvre in Paris, you buy a ticket ahead of time. You buy a tour ticket so that you can get in through the back door because otherwise the lines are just ridiculous. So you definitely do that. I also highly recommend to clients that the first day you're in a new area, hire a driver. Take some type of tour, because guess what? That driver is going to know everything about everywhere. So maybe you you take a private driver for like two hours and you do a city tour. Then you get to see everything in the city and you make little notes like, this is where we want to come back and we want to go here. And you ask them, you know, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? And you get that inside secret day one.
0: So would that work when you're in a more rural or isolated area, more remote Place that you might travel,
1: you'd be surprised. There's always a local person that is that go-to tour person, you know. And sometimes, you know, they've got a pedicab because you're in somewhere that's really rural. And sometimes it's a walking tour. And sometimes, you know, but but there's always someone, Cynthia. And that's like what I said is, you know, we have contacts in every country, so we would lean into that to get you or anyone that's traveling their best options.
0: Mm, that's cool. That's funny that you mentioned the pedicab because one of my really fun memories from my younger days was when we lived in India when I was nine. And I remember traveling all over the place by rickshaw. Yeah. And that rickshaw driver knew everything. Yeah. I don't know that we ever really were able to communicate with them because they either spoke Hindi or Punjabi.
1: I know, but now you're going to have Google Translate. So it's all good. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sweet.
1: <laughs> no I I tell people it's a really great option but it's just not it's not a hundred percent all the time so I shouldn't say that but I just feel like you know there is someone in every country that we can connect with to find out the best things and that's kind of what I do I do a lot of research. So when I'm booking something like this, it's a custom tour. I work with clients and I charge a research fee because I find you the best of the best. And it's not about working with someone that's going to pay me, if that makes sense. I'm looking for your best options. I find the best tours and the best transports and the best places to stay based on what you are trying to create for your vision, for your dream vacation.
0: Okay. That sounds, that sounds awesome for somebody who actually can work with you. What about somebody who is not in a position where they could actually work with you, but still wanted to do that same kind of thing on their own? What resources would you recommend for that?
1: Well, I mean, we always have the internet. You can do some research on there. The the thing about that is, you know, it's hard for me to say, oh, this is a great place for you to book your own travel. There's a lot of different things that you can find out online. I tend to Google things not to do. I know that sounds crazy, but if you Google things not to do, if you're traveling on your own, you'll get a list of things you need to be aware of.
0: Could you give me an example of something like that? What not to do? Yeah.
1: So like, for example, um, let's just say Mexico, what not to do, never take a independent cab from the airport in Mexico because they will rip you off and take you in circles. So you always want to arrange your transport ahead of time.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So, if I wanted to go to South Africa, I could Google what not to do when traveling in South Africa, and then I would get a whole bunch of. Yes, good tips.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Huh.
0: <laughs> that's
1: cool. Yeah, so what not to do, you know, or what what mistakes to make, not to do in South Africa. I'm not sure the best thing, but you know, you can Google around with it. There's a lot of information out there. But as far as like staying safe and doing stuff, you know, I I also work with people. If they, you know, there's people out there that want to create their own itinerary. But then if they want a little bit bit of review of what they're doing to make sure it's all safe, I also do some checks on stuff like that because I have clients all over and I have clients that do lots of different things. So I just want to make sure that people are safe to travel and that they're getting out there and they're going wherever they want to go in whatever way that means.
0: Yeah. So what one thing would you suggest for someone who's experienced violence or trauma, but who wants to get out and travel the world, what would your advice be for them? I would, I would start with
1: some of the main places. So, and, and I don't want to be too general on this because there are some people that still have a lot of fear around like groups or maybe things like that. So you have to be careful as far as where you feel comfortable. But, you know, for example, Paris, Paris is such a, it's a easy and friendly city to get around. If you want to go for a trip, you can sit in the cafes and drink coffee and eat croissant and you can go to dinners and you can walk around and see the sights and ride the bus. And you can just be in that one city like the entire time. And that to me is kind of like a really nice, baby step in, if you will. Um, I like to send people to places where it's easy their first couple times, you know, I definitely wouldn't send someone to <laughs> some of the countries if it, they've never been anywhere. Also, too, a lot of the tropical islands, if they like to snorkel or they like the beach, there's so many beautiful places that you can go on your own where you will be perfectly fine. And you know, what's interesting is some of the river cruises, which are beautiful options if you want to travel. You know, rivers go through countries and oceans go around it. So I do a lot of cruising events, but I, of course, use higher level premium cruises because better food, better quality, all those things. But at the end of the day, packing and unpacking once takes so much stress off of you. In addition to that, if you are on an, you know, if you're on an English speaking ship and you're in any country, you can venture out during the day, but you always have like a safe home to land, and then it moves to the next port. So you're not having to deal with the stress of checking in and out of hotels, of trying to find your way on whatever transportation that you need. There's just a lot of things to be said, and some of the cruise ships, uh, whether it's ocean or river, are now doing single cabins for people because there's a more people that want to travel solo.
0: That is really cool. I I had not even considered that if I had experienced trauma and experienced violence and was not particularly confident making my way in the world, but I wanted to travel, I had never thought about that whole issue of packing, unpacking, managing your transportation from point A to B. So doing a cruise or taking one of those river trips sounds amazing because those things that are so tricky to handle and can be so stressful and take so much time, you're right. I mean, they're, they're like they're all handled and all you have to do is just enjoy it. But you always have a safe, a safe harbor to retreat to if you want it.
1: Yeah and then you could also go you can do some of their group excursions, you know, you don't have to do it but you can. Uh with river cruises, they're all inclusive. So every day there's an excursion that's included in the voyage and in addition to that <laughs> uh you really are you're you basically go to sleep at night and you wake up on the river in these beautiful countries and it's it's so cool because there is no stress. It is so relaxing. You know, the same with ocean cruising. I mean, if you're, if you want to travel and you're nervous because you don't want to go alone, well, I got to tell you, there's a million people on a ship and I mean a million, but you know, there's people on the ship, some are alone, some are only couples, some, you know, there's so many different levels. So you have time to go to your cabin, be on your own or go to one of the shows. They have Broadway shows on the ships. They have all types of entertainment. They have games, anything that you would ever want to find in the world that you can find on a cruise ship. And if you're doing a river cruise and you're going through the heart of the country, you know, if you think back to like medieval times, all of the castles and everything, they're on the river. That's where they fought against the opponents when they would, people would come up the river to battle. So all of these cool fortresses and castles and everything, they're all on the rivers in Europe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've, I've actually done that. I mean, I haven't done it on the river, but I lived in Nantes in France for quite a while. And, and that was one of the things we did was we drove alongside the Loire through the Loire River Valley so that we could see all those castles. And right. I mean, every, the waterways were the ways to travel. Exactly.
1: And so, so I always tell people, if you don't like cruising, you haven't been on the right ship, you know, it's just like personalities, uh, you know, are you, do you want to, Stay at Motel 6 or do you want to stay at the Four Seasons and everything in between? So you just kind of have to find the right brand with the right amount of people and the type of activities that you like. And, you know, they're actually trying to pass a law in Europe right now that you can't roll you're rolling bags down the streets anymore because it's breaking the cobblestones. So can you imagine schlepping your bag every day through the streets and then the hotels, there's so many beautiful little boutiques and stuff, but they don't have elevators. So you're carrying your bags up and down. And if you move every day or every other day, that's a lot of wear and tear. So it's an adventure more than a vacation, but I think there's a sweet spot in between.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Also what I really like about what you described is that if you are a little bit anxious about travel, if you're not super confident about doing traveling by yourself, that doing something like a cruise is actually a great first step and it's very it's much safer than just going out on a trip because you don't have to do some of those logistical things that you would otherwise And you have support if you need it. You have a place to be quiet and on your own if you need it. And I think that could be a great way for a woman who is starting to emerge back out into the world to start to develop some confidence.
1: Yeah, and you know, they have cruises everywhere. One of the things that's great too, is if you're a little trepidatious, you know, you can get your own flight, but if you fly in within a certain parameters, you can arrange transfers, a cruise ship, you can add transfers on, they'll pick you up and take you back to the airport. So there's a lot of benefits with regards to ease by doing it that way. And I mean, they have cruises to the Galapagos, they have cruises to, you know, um, Antarctica, they have cruises to Bali and Tahiti, anywhere that you want to go in the world, unless it's, you know landlocked. And even then a lot of times the cruise ship will come up and then you'll get off and you'll have like a day trip. Right. But it's very accessible. And I think for women solo travel, it's one of the best, best options because you can be with a group or be alone and you're safe.
0: Yeah. And that, that really speaks to one of my questions, which was how does travel affect women's confidence and sense of freedom? Is there anything else that you want to say about that?
1: I think that I didn't start really traveling like to anywhere major until I was like 38 years old. And I remember the first time I went to Hawaii, which isn't like super far or anything else. And I traveled there alone. It was for business, but I had to travel on my own. And then I, I, that was part of my, Hawaii was part of my territory. So I, I was in Oahu and then I went to Hilo and then I went to Maui and it was about 9 days and then I decided to treat myself and I stayed a couple days at the end on my own. And I'll never forget like the first time like I went to eat by myself, okay? <laughs> I look back now but I just remember I just felt like oh, I can do this and I just went and the first time I ate by myself, I think I just kind of kept my head down and People who know me don't recognize me because I don't recognize myself from who I was back then. I had a lot of fear, and and I just remember thinking about you know how brave I was that I was having dinner by myself, right? And then I went to you know I was in the hotel and traveling by air and checking in and out of hotels and renting cars, and I just know that by the end of that trip, I felt so powerful and really like I got this. It just helped me to create a whole other level of competence that i didn't have before that because i just
0: did it that's beautiful i love that and um, that is exactly what i was thinking about when i was thinking about how travel can really open up so much more than just geography to a woman yeah i think
1: there's there's a misconception with women sometimes that if they travel alone you know that they're pathetic or they're, you know, oh, who, you know, people are going to look at them. Or they're like, like they're wearing a big sign. I'm alone. <laughs> right? and it's like, no, people are traveling and having their own adventures. If you just smile, people will engage with you and talk to you. And you will meet the most incredible and amazing people because you're open and you're on your own. People will engage with you. And it is such, I can't even tell you how many amazing people I've met over the years on the road on adventures on trips that I still talk to when I go back or is in communication with me, you know people all across the country, people in other countries, and I just have so many great memories of strangers that became friends along the way.
0: yeah, that's great well i'm I'm down to my last question, so how do you think? that women can develop their own personal power and courage?
1: That's a good question, Cynthia. And I think it's a personal question because I don't know all of the women that we're talking to. But I think that even small victories once a day or once a week will help you to build courage. So I would encourage women... You know, whether it's that you really want to travel and you have some wanderlust and you want to, you know, do something different or whether it's just maybe going to dinner by yourself or taking a class that you want to take by yourself or having an adventure of some kind where you just go for the day, take your car and drive to the beach and take a journal and just write how you feel and live in that moment. And I think that is one of the best ways to really kind of build that fearlessness on a daily basis. Small steps over time.
0: Yes, yes, I love that, and I agree. I agree, because there's one small step. you can do one one small thing. you can do one thing, and sometimes when you think that what you have to do is very, very big, it it looms so large in your in your mind that you can't even contemplate taking even a tiny step towards it, but one small step is doable.
1: Well, and I think that there's a lot of loneliness going on that people aren't aware of. And that sometimes, you know, in a moment we may look at another woman and think she has everything when really there's deep seated sadness or loneliness that goes along with whatever their experience is. So I just think that you have to come to peace with yourself and realize that you can do, have, or be anything that you want to be. Age is just a number. And it's really just about taking on that fearlessness and being a badass. Right, Cynthia? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It's like, be your own badass. You, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. But you know, challenge yourself to be courageous in the moment. And just take a small step today towards whatever that goal or dream is, because one small step over time is all it takes to move you. And then you'll start getting momentum. And the next thing you know, you'll be calling me up and we'll be joining my group and going on a fabulous adventure together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we wrap it up, I would like for you to just share how people can reach out to you because I imagine there will be quite a few who would like to talk with you. And um, I'd like to give them the opportunity to connect with you in all your different forms. So can you share that?
1: Well, the best way to reach me is just to call or text me directly. I like to set up times to talk to people. So you can always text me directly at 916 595 2046. And that's my cell phone. So if you text me and just say, Hi, I heard you on the badass podcast, and I'd love to talk to you, then let me know a couple of good times. I'll respond and we can set up an appointment. That's the fastest and easiest, you know. Just call me. Otherwise, you can also email me at info at bliss travel and events. So the name of my company is Live Your Bliss Travel and Events. And I'm working on living my bliss every day. So my email again is info at bliss travel and events.com. So either one, you'll reach me and I'll respond and we'll set up time to talk about what your dreams are, what you'd like to do and potential options to really like help support you to just take that one step towards that dream vacation or that bucket list or that adventure, whatever it is that you want to create, just know that I'm here to hold space for you and create that with you.
0: Oh, that's great. Do you also have a website or Facebook or any of those things?
1: Yes. My website is bliss travel and And my Facebook group for all women is women who love to travel with Tracy bliss Buckley. And on that page, it's a women's group and we do lots of different adventures locally as well as travel wise. And, I share a lot of tips and tricks, some of the things that we shared today. I share lots of different behind the scenes and sneak peeks about different locations and venues and all types of stuff. It's all travel and it's a really great group and we just share adventures. The ladies share their photos of things that they're doing and we just talk about beautiful places in the world that we've been or want to go and it's just a safe place and we'd love to have all of you join us there. And on Instagram, it's Live Your Bliss Travel.
0: Okay, and I will put all of your links in the show notes so people can look them up there.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Cynthia. This has been
0: such a pleasure and very, very fun. (laughs) Well, thank you, Tracy, for coming on the show. You are just an absolute inspiration and a wealth of incredible knowledge and insight and wisdom. So thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. This is the Born to be a Badass podcast. Stay safe and be a badass.
1: You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until
0: next time, embrace your inner badass.